0: I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.
1: Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more.
0: All wrestling fans have that one match.
1: The winner and you!
0: that we remember every single detail the one that made our hearts jump out of our chest the moment that took our breath away the punk is leaving through this hometown crowd with the WWE championship I think
2: The match that created lifelong wrestling fans. Busted Open proudly presents the matches that made us. Here's your
0: host, Dave LaGreca.
1: Welcome to a very special edition of the Busted Open podcast as we talk about the matches that made us and I bring in. WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, the most decorated tag team wrestler of all time, deathmatch god, and your host for Busted Open After Dark each and every Wednesday night after AEW Dynamite, our very own Bully Ray.
2: How are you, Bully? Hello, David. How are you?
1: I am excellent, and I really think this is going to be a fun and educational episode of the Busted Open podcast because we're talking about the matches that made us. So, Bully...
2: What match made you? Are you talking about a match that I was involved in that made me? Or are you talking about a match that I watched as a kid that made me want to be a pro wrestler? It is a match that made you want to be a professional wrestler. Well, I remember turning on Channel 9 in New York back in the early 80s. And seeing professional wrestling for the first time, I was watching WWF television back then, and I remember seeing tag teams. The tag teams are really what stuck out to me the most: Gurria and Martel, Fuji and Saido, the Wild Samoans, Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson, the Strongbows. And for some reason, tag team wrestling always stood out to me more than singles competition. Because as a kid, I found tag team wrestling a lot more exciting than singles competition. It always seemed like four guys can be a lot more exciting than two. So I remember watching tag wrestling as a kid and always being drawn to that. And Dave, I had one of those old tape recorders. I'm sure you remember it, where you would press play and record at the same time if you wanted to record something. So I would record myself as Pat Patterson doing play-by-play on Fuji and Saito versus the Strongbows in a best two out of three falls match. And I would do the commentary as Pat Patterson. I would call the match as Pat Patterson in my best Pat Patterson voice. And I probably did it better as a kid. Um, And then I would, you know, as the match was coming to the end, I would talk about how Mr. Fuji threw salt in one of the Strongbow brothers' eyes. And then, you know, Fuji and Saito got the win. And then I'd be Pat Patterson interviewing Fuji and Saido after the match is over which I wish I had that tape because it'd be pretty funny to hear me doing Pat Patterson, Mr. <laughs> Fuji and Mr. Saito. Uh and Mr. Saido didn't uh, say much but that's because Mr. Saito didn't have to say anything because that's how tough he was. Um, so as a kid that's what I would do that's that's really what inspired me to to you know want to be a pro wrestler that's how into pro wrestling i was and then i remember my dad taking me to the ridgewood grove arena which was an absolute hole in the wall crappy little building that the wwef back in the day would occasionally run before like sunnyside gardens or or actually madison square garden and dave i remember walking into this place and the the dressing room is a very makeshift dressing room, basically plywood, tall plywood put together, and with you know with with some drapes hanging over them. And I remember being able to, to look through the pieces of plywood. And one day I'm looking through the pieces of plywood, and there is Atha and Sika sitting at a table playing cards. And passing a cigarette back and forth to one another. And I'm like, Dad, why are they sharing a cigarette? Italian dad smacked me in the back of the head, Aunt told me I asked too many questions. All right, whatever. Later on in life, I learned what that cigarette was. Um, so I saw, you know, pro wrestling at the Ridgewood Grove Arena. And then what truly solidified it for me was uh, you know a story that you've heard me tell you know so many times snooker versus morocco madison square garden the night jimmy snooker jumped off the top of the steel cage onto the magnificent morocco i was in the front row that night as a matter of fact if you own uh that one of those um the old coliseum videos mm-hmm. on vhs I think uh, one of them is titled, The WWF's Most Unusual Matches. And on there, they have the cage match between Suka, Snuka and Morocco. And you actually see me in the front row with my big pompadour hairdo touching Jimmy Snooky's shoulder. That night, I knew. Because just sitting in Madison Square Garden, the moment Snooker jumps off the top of the cage onto Morocco, and just looking around and seeing 20,000 people going absolutely buck wild, um, that's when I really, really knew that I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And then fast forward to WrestleMania three, coming out of the Nassau Coliseum with my dad and my uncle after we had watched it on closed circuit television. And my dad said to me, what did you think of the show? And I said, don't worry, Dad. That'll meet me one day. And my Uncle Nicky smacked me in the back of the head. He said, yeah, right. Get the card. Shut up. Well, and- <laughs> I, I mean, th- this
1: is amazing because you're a two-time Hall of Famer. You've, you know, been a part of the greatest WrestleMania of all time in a match that, you know, many people believe, myself included, you know, stole the show at WrestleMania. And that's WrestleMania
2: Dave, imagine being 11 years old or however old I was, and being front row for that moment.
1: That's amazing. I mean, a part of that crowd, and that crowd was electric. On the call, Gorilla Monsoon and Pat Patterson, and and Bully. That 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 match and that moment was built up. If you remember, it wasn't that long before that that Snuka was wrestling Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund is the ultimate babyface, and Jimmy Snuka has a heel. And he went to the top of the cage to do the Superfly leap on Bob Aklund and missed. And Bob Aklund rolled out and ordered for the door to be open and escaped the cage and won the match and retained the WWF championship. That night in question, Bully, that was the moment in the match that made you and made you really want to be a professional wrestler. It wasn't even a win by Jimmy Superfly it, but it was that moment that really propelled for you as a
2: fan. To me, it's the very first moment in the WWF back then, WWE today. I can't think of a moment before that that really sticks out to me. Can you? Is there no. a moment like think think we we think in terms of WrestleMania moments? Yes. Is there a moment that you remember that happened before Snook Morocco at the top of the cage? That was to to me for that and bully
1: that moment that picture of Jimmy Superfly Snuka, um, really attracted me to watch the WWF. I always told you I was just strictly just an NWA fan, and seeing the picture of Jimmy Snuka on top of that cage really got me invested in the WWF and started watching the WWF on a regular basis. So to answer your question, no, I don't really remember a moment because. I don't remember the chair to Bruno San Martino from Larry's Abisco. That was before I started watching. A lot of those moments you hear about were before I became a fan. So that was probably the most significant moment early on
2: as a fan for both you and I, there was a moment that I do remember. And this is very different than any other moment that we've, we, we talk about this moment was on a cover of a magazine do you know where I'm going with this? Think of a moment that you may have seen on the cover of a magazine that really stuck out to you. Well, for me, and and I'm gonna talk it
1: further for the matches that that made us when it comes to me. For me, it was Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer, the last battle of Atlanta, like both of those guys completely bloodied in that steel cage. Like to me, and I have I have multiple copies of that magazine, Bully, because that image.
2: Uh, to me is on that cover, the greatest cover ever on a pro wrestling magazine. The moment on a pro re- wrestling magazine that really stuck out to me was superstar Billy Graham destroying Bob Backlund's world championship with his bare hands. You remember that wow. cover, yes? Yes,
1: I do. Or uh, superstar Billy Graham with Dusty Rhodes with the bull rope is another significant picture as well. And I believe that was taken by our good friend George Napolitano. Um, I believe it was. I believe yep. it was taken by George Napolitano. bully. I know how much this match inspired you, Snuka Morocco in 1983 in a cage at Madison Square Garden. But there are also others in attendance. So talk about that and how that match inspired others as well.
2: Oh, Dave, com- completely agree. I'm sure that Snuka Morocco in the cage at the Garden inspired many wrestlers in you know my age bracket. Um, but there are three others that definitively come to mind because there are three um, other well-known wrestlers that were there. They weren't sitting in the front row like me, but they were still there. Um, There was little Guido, uh, Nunzio, from the full-blooded Italians in ECW. He was there to witness it. Tommy Dreamer was there, and we all know how Tommy prides himself on being like the quintessential hardcore wrestler in the spirit of a, you know, Terry Funk. And speaking of Terry Funk, the greatest Terry Funk ripoff of all time was also there. Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, uh, was there to witness Snuka jump off the top of the cage onto Morocco. And it inspired Mick so much that the home videos of Mick jumping off of his garage onto his friend on the mattresses, you know, in his driveway. So, I mean, this, this night, this moment, this match, actually, I couldn't even tell you about the match. I know what, I remember what the finish of the match was. And I remember the moment at the end of the match, but I couldn't even tell you what, what, what went on in the match. That's how emblazoned that moment um is to me and Dave I think it's I think it's the biggest moment before Wrestlemania moments were a thing because I can't think of anything else that really stands out in my mind other than that and the next Wrestlemania I mean look at Wrestlemania 1 is there a Wrestlemania 1 moment
1: no, I don't think so. You know, other WrestleMania than system, two. Is there a two not. moment? No, definitely our, not.
2: Our first real WrestleMania moment comes in WrestleMania three.
1: Yes, and, and so WrestleMania, and this was just before you know the WrestleManias. It's interesting when you look at this match because Don Morocco was your Intercontinental Champion, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. We almost felt like at that point needed to graduate. I looked at, always looked at Jimmy Superfly Snuka as a main eventer. But really, their careers, I think that was the peak moment for both Don Morocco and Jimmy Snuka. Don Morocco still remained Intercontinental Champion. But once he lost that championship, we started to see Don Morocco get phased out. Jimmy Superfly Snuka, I think that was his peak moment as well. I don't think Jimmy Snuka ever got bigger than he did in that moment. And if you would have asked me in 1983, Bully, if that was going to be the case, I would have thought you were crazy because I thought that was just the beginning for Jimmy Superfly Snuka, but that completely changed. It's, It's amazing how big that match and that moment was, but we saw a decline for both Morocco and Snuka after that moment in 1983.
2: Dave, in the pro wrestling industry, one day you're on top of the world and one day you're not one side of the pencil makes you a millionaire and the other side of the pencil, you know, uh, takes you out of the game completely. You can be the world heavyweight champion one day and the opening match the next day. Not that there's anything wrong with being the opening match, but yeah, that was the pinnacle of Snooker's career. And we saw him have little, you know, there was there were little spikes in his career after that, but nowhere near no. what uh you know what he had done. And you know, as a kid, I I remember being in amazement knowing that Snooka had a career before the WWF. Like I really thought that Jimmy Snooker, and this this is the beauty of the purity of pro wrestling. I really thought that Jimmy Snooker was found, you know, on the uh, you know, the Fijian Fiji Islands. Islands. Yeah. Yeah, the Fiji Islands and uh w- was brought in. And you know, he didn't wear shoes, you know. He never he didn't wear wrestling boots. I mean, I know Afa and Sika didn't either, but it really stood out to me that Snooker didn't wear boots. And then when I saw him in the magazines before he got to WWE, he was wearing boots, and he looked so weird wearing wrestling boots. About- I, I'm often asked who was my favorite wrestler growing up, and I never really had an answer. I know I had a favorite tag team, which was obviously the Road Warriors, but I never really had an answer for who was my favorite singles guy, but I think it was Jimmy because all, because the one wrestler I remember talking about the most as a child or actually as now it is an adult is jimmy snooker so th- that night that guy's career definitely left an impression on me pretty incredible too bully
1: and the fact that not only was there a career for jimmy snooker before he got to the wwf he actually was in cage matches where he jumped job- jumped off the top of cages back then but like because it was the territories unless you were it- at the event
2: you didn't see it It's crazy. And those cages, to me, failed in comparison to that WWF cage. That always looked like a real deal steel cage to me, as opposed to some of the makeshift ones I had seen in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think 1983 in the WWF was a good year for cages. Like, I would think that that was the best cage, because right after that, they went to the blue bar cage, which I thought was an embarrassment. Uh, So I really enjoyed that era when it came to the Jimmy Snuka in 1983 at the Garden.
2: Well, wasn't the blue bar cage done out of sheer necessity because of Hogan and Bundy and their size? Yeah, but they, but they
1: they continued to use it for a little while too, the blue bar steel cage.
2: I would love to see the WWE today go back to the nostalgia of that old school steel cage. Yeah. As a matter of fact, call it an old school steel cage match with the regular, you know, with the 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 original rules applying. I think people would like that. It's nostalgia. Yeah.
1: And I think it adds to the story as well. Uh, Bully, awesome job again. Bully's match that made him was Jimmy Snuka, the magnificent Morocco for the Intercontinental Championship in a steel cage at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Thank you for listening. Don't forget, please subscribe to the Busted Open Podcast. Listen to us live seven days a week on SiriusXM Fight Nation. We'll talk to you later right here with the matches that made us on the Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Nation channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.